Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to another edition of Taekwondo Life Magazine Live. My name is Mark Sarianis. I'm your host. I'm a third Don Blackbelt and I'm the editor-in-chief of Taekwondo Life Magazine. We are a member of the Believe Sports Network. You can find our program everywhere that podcasts are found. Be sure to like and subscribe us to us on our YouTube channel and on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else. Uh, today's program is brought to you by two sponsors, Balance 7 and Bet Online. As for Balance 7, I have had the opportunity. I, I mentioned to you guys on last week's program, uh, I used my code, Believe, B-L-E-A-V, and I got free shipping, and I got my bottles of Balance 7, and I did start on them this week. Uh, this is a pH balancing alkaline supplement drink. Uh, the spokesperson is NBA player Lamar Odom, and everyone knows he had some difficulties and some controversies, and he's really gotten back into playing basketball. He's joining the Spanish League, and he accounts for a lot of his ability to sustain himself and regenerate himself as an older athlete due to balance seven. Um, as an older Taekwondo practitioner, I, I know there's a lot of wear and tear on the body, and this is hopefully something that will help me to sustain myself into my later years. So I'll let you guys know. I've So far, my, exp my um, experience with it has been good, real simple, um, and I'm really excited about it. So you guys can go over to Balance 7. We'll have a uh, link in the show notes, balance7.com. Put in Believe, B-L-E-A-V, and you get that free shipping. Today on the program, I'm super excited. You know, we try to find a balance of talking about events that are happening in the martial arts. We'll talk about training techniques, um, movies, martial arts movies, martial arts books, and I balance it with interviews. So sometime before the USAT uh, Grand Prix and the Nationals, I had the opportunity to come across a book called Shizak to begin a modern martial arts story by Master Catherine Yang. And this book is one that uh, interested me because of the subject matter, of course, being Taekwondo, but also that it's a fictional book. And as I've said in the past, we review books. Uh, we've had many authors on this program, but uh, most Taekwondo books come in maybe one of three um, categories. One is practical book, you know, Pumse, sparring technique. Um, exercises related to it the other is biographical something about the life and history of a master biography of bruce lee biography of grandmaster junri uh, and third is philosophy philosophical book um like bruce lee's writings uh the Tao of jeet kune do or um things of that nature this book is very unusual because it's a work of fiction it is a terrific story and I'm going to get into it a little bit more, um, tell you a little bit more before we get into the interview. I had the opportunity to speak to Master Catherine Yang about the book, but it's a work of fiction. Uh, it involves the journey of a young Taekwondo instructor and competitor to towards the Olympics as she competes in the world of sparring and she gets ready and it's about the balance to some degree of her relationship with her grandmaster, 
her master, her coach, and finding out what she wants to do and who she wants to be in life. The book is written from a place clearly of someone who understands Taekwondo, who understands the journey, and it is written with such unbelievable um, authenticity that it is really, really a great read. Before we get into talking a little bit more about that, I wanted to, of course, bring you a word from our other sponsor, Bet Online. Football season is roaring at this point. We are we are going into week two. Uh, baseball season is winding down. Um, there's a million things, fights, million things that are going on, and of course, as you know. Bet online is your number one spot for all of your college and pro action this season. You get all your latest up updated odds, props, contests. Um, they always have different kinds of contests. And as always, when you sign up, use your mobile device, you'll receive your welcome bonus. Up to today, now they're running up to 100% welcome bonus. So that's even a bump up and an increase from the prior. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online is your online sportsbook expert. This program is brought to you by, by Bet Online, and we will have a link in the show notes. Getting back to, I'm going to try to show this. Hopefully, it'll show in the camera. Uh, maybe not great, but there it is. Shazak. It is uh, available on Amazon. It's available at Master Yang's website, which I believe is Yang's Taekwondo or New York City Taekwondo. We'll link that. Uh, it's available in uh, Kindle format or in paperback, uh, but it is really, really enjoyable. It is well written. Uh, it is you would you might think that something of that nature may not have. Uh, it's got a great balance of the technical aspects being accurate, the training, understanding the training, but also the dynamics of the relationships and the hierarchy uh, and the challenges of the grandmaster immigrants who came here and have first-generation sons or daughters that are taking over their dojangs. Um, the story, as I said to her in my interview, is one that Taekwondo practitioners, in my opinion, would love, would enjoy. But it's such a well-written story that people outside of the Taekwondo world certainly can relate to and enjoy. And really, really, I think we'll get um, some great enjoyment out of it. As for Master Yang, I actually, I was remiss. I enjoyed speaking to her so much in the upcoming interview that you'll see that I talked very little about her book, um, which by the way of a review, I'm going to write a review. I would give it the highest review and the highest recommendation. Uh, it's a really is a great read and I intend to pick it up and, and read again, but she is a woman who had great passion for the martial arts from a young age. She took a slightly different path. She went on to uh, Stanford, went on to Harvard Law School, became a, an associate at a major law firm, and essentially simultaneously had been in Shotokan and got involved in ITF Taekwondo and was on the WT competitive team um, and gave it all up to essentially uh, run her own dojang here in New York City proper in Manhattan. We talked a little bit about her book. We talked a little bit about her training. 
we talked a little bit about the challenges of being in an urban dojang while a pandemic abounds and people were leaving New York City. But she was inviting and she was warm. And I look forward to meeting her and training with her and sitting down with her again and bringing you more information. And I look forward to a sequel or future books from her because she's such a great writer um, and she has a natural talent for uh, telling a story. So I encourage you to check out this book, Shijak, a, a modern Taekwondo story, a work of fiction, but there is a lot in there, a modern martial arts story, I apologize. And uh, there's a lot in there for anyone in the martial arts as well as anybody else. I encourage you to check out Master Yang's website and I look forward to hearing your feedback. And please don't forget this episode is brought to you by Bet Online and Balance 7. I look forward to seeing you on the mat. How are you, ma'am? I'm sorry, I'm going to close the door. Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm doing wonderfully. How are you? Thank you so much for taking time to talk Pretty to good. me. Hold on one sec. Let me uh, get to... Take your time. We have, two, we have two floors in the dojang, so a class is going on on the upper floor. Oh, I'm you're in, in uniform. Yes, I'm doing the same thing. I'm in I'm in the basement of our, uh, I'm in our sort of our, our instructor's lounge and uh, they're teaching oh. classes upstairs. How, where's your school? Uh, in Levittown, New York, on Long Island, Nassau County. Oh, okay, okay, great. How's it going with back to school and everything? It's, it's going well. I mean, you know, we managed to hang in there through the uh, entire, uh, pandemic they did a great job here of uh uh you know trying to go virtual and and trying to figure it out and and we're we're, we're back now we still have virtual classes but we're back live and uh, thank god it's it's been it's been good what about with you guys i know the city was a ghost town for the longest time right and uh and a lot of people moved actually i'm shocked at how many people moved first one wave last year and then a second wave at the end of the school year so even more of a ghost town, but we're, I mean, we, we hung in there. Zoom was less popular here. Sure. Um, I was doing like seven to eight private lessons a day. Oh, I'm wow. still doing like, right, pre-pandemic, I probably taught 10 classes a week. During the pandemic, I probably taught 40 classes a week. Oh, wow. And then, uh, oh, so exhausted. And most of them outdoors on my bike from like one kid's apartment to another kid's apartment to a park to like a plaza. We did classes on the sidewalk. Um, it was pretty insane. The, the one thing I've seen is that those students that really hung in there through the pandemic are really the ones that you expect will have a great longevity in, in practicing. In, True. In Europe. So. I hope so. Right. Yeah. Well, that, right. that, that's great. We were great. in the park through the snow, through the, through the rain. So I figure if kids are willing to do Taekwondo in the snow, they're probably going to stick with it. Same with the adults. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Do you have a broad spectrum of um, of students that you're teaching? Are you going from kids through through adults and sort of everywhere in between? Right, right. Oh, that's We're great. like 50, 50, 50 kids and adults. That's great. A totally different, uh, totally different uh, set of teaching uh, and skills oh, yeah. that, that, are, right. that, that are needed. So I started in the time which you're probably familiar with, but when I started, it was basically no kids. It was it was pretty much really? only adults only yeah when i okay. when i start when i started it was largely male males and it was largely adults i mean some teens maybe but it really didn't right. get to be until probably the middle 80s i think um that we started to see you know that 
whole, and then certainly, I guess, after the Karate Kid, that whole demographic uh, changed dramatically to where, you know, right. sort of closer to where it is now. So what style of Taekwondo did you start with? I started with a Chung Daekwon. I've always been on Cookie Wan. Yeah, oh, wait, no, go right ahead, go right ahead. These are people who are late for class. Yeah, it's fine. Right, they get buzzed in. It's different from here. So I started with I started for a very short time with uh, Chung Daquan under uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, Robert Jenkins Clark, who was a senior student of um, Duxang. And then I immediately transitioned into Ji Daquan, and I've been with uh, Grandmaster uh, Wyche Park, uh, eighty-eight Olympic coach, and his family. Right. His he's right. here, but his sons are uh, running the dojang for the last. 30 years. So that's, that's really been, um, oh, yeah. Doesn't he have several dojangs? Yes. Yes. But this is the main, this has been the main East Meadow was, was where we were formerly housed. And this is now that, you know, the, the main place that, that we are, which is a great, it's a family atmosphere. And now we're into the uh, multi-generational. So you're seeing the kids and the grandkids of former students, even if the, the parents and grandparents aren't still training, they're coming here and, you know, wow. So it's become a real family uh, affair, which is really nice. It's it's it's, right. it's it's a different transition for me. So that's awesome. And you, and you've been with him at his school for that long? Yes, yes. I had a short break in in, in between, um, and I'm not here as a full time. I'm here every day now, but uh, you know, just doing different things in my in my life. But I've been been together with him since since that entire time. So. That's yeah, Very it's great. Much. It's wonderful. And and they've been great to me. So it's been a it's it's a fair like I said, it's a it's it's a family affair and and, and 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 I love it. So and um and you guys have that tournament, right? The yes, the New York the, Open. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's happening and this year, right? It is happening this year. This is a return to live uh, live event. We did it virtually last year, which I know a lot of people did, which was fun, but it, it was just different. It was a way, you know, on the Pumse side, we had a great opportunity for people to continue to train. But it's not the same thing. And I returned. I I, I referee. So I did uh, for USAT. I went to the Grand Prix in um, South Carolina. And then that's oh. what um, I was distracted because I did a, a referee at the Nationals in um, San Antonio. So it's great to be oh. back back to live uh, competition. That's great. So yeah. if I have any questions about the rules that are just constantly changing. Yes, I yes. I'm trying. Oh I, I try. I try very hard to uh, to stay on top of it, which is hard. I speak to Master Edward Hitchery. He has the same issue, which is, you know, you're trying to teach stuff related to it, but then when the rules change so quickly and it's not disseminated, it's it's right. it's hard to make sure you're you're doing that. So, and I feel like every tournament, like, either chooses to follow the new rules or not follow the new rules, right? It's very hard. Yeah, you got to know whether or not you're, you know, and again, it's one of the things people don't always think to ask, but whether or not they're using the updated USAT rules, right. because, you, you know, you, you have, you know, on both ends, it can be very, it can be very confusing. So, and, you know, people send out tournament packets, but I don't know that everybody reads it, all the coaches, all the competitors, you know, it's a lot of stuff and it's a lot to right. read. Well, well, now I know if you don't show up for that, like 730, 8am meeting. You don't get the latest update. That's true. No matter what they send in the packet, they change it at 8 a.m. That's true. So Abs absolutely true. You right? got to be there. You got to oh, be there. Good. You got to have your cup of coffee in hand and be there very early to get if You know, right. uh, I think throughout nationals, we had our meetings at 7 a.m. So I was up yep. early six o'clock breakfast by 7 a.m. The tournament started afterwards. But you, get, you know that in that one hour slot, you're going to get the information you need. So mm -hmm. the updates. So tell yeah. me, I know your 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 style. It's a little bit interesting because you know, particularly in reading the book, um, which I loved. I really did love the book, and and awesome. it, it was really written. For, I could tell from the place of 
knowledge of, uh, you know, of, of truly of somebody who's, who's been down that road. Um, but it is written largely from, I know ITF has a, an agreement with um, the IOC, and I know that there are ITF competitors who, who take the Olympic path, but it really is written from a Kukiwan World Taekwondo sort of a centered type approach from my perspective. Tell me about right. your path, because I, from what I see from looking at your lineage, it's it comes much more through the ITF style. Right. So actually, I started in traditional karate, which is why ITFs felt like a really easy transition. That's this um, Chung Daquan for me was the same, right? It was very very right. tied to the, mm -hmm. to the to the Shotokan. Right. Right. So like very straightforward, very linear, and then um, but ITF does like it introduce some of the more circular motions. So my second experience with martial arts was ITF Taekwondo. Um, but in uh, in law school, I was with J.H. Kim in Boston. Oh, sure. And so his style is traditional ITF in class, but his competition team is all WTF. So he teaches all, he, I mean, he's amazing. He teaches all of the classes. Like oh, wow. he teaches all the classes. Um, and they're all traditional ITF, but then he's hired a set of Korean coaches, um, who teach the competition classes completely separate from ITF. So he, he didn't go to a single, he doesn't teach any competition ITF, all the competition related, uh, Taekwondo is WTF, which is wow. where I got my introduction to that. So, and all his coaches are, you know, fresh from the cookie one, like a third degree, fourth degree. And this is their first job out of college. They're from Yongin University, I think. Oh, sure. So, and he, he cycles them through his dojang to teach his competition teams. Well, they are probably, you know, they're among the top in the world. So that makes that makes a lot of sense. So, so right. tell, tell me, so, so when I read the book, the book, um, because of the fact that the book is written, you know, for somebody who's been around it as long as I have, right? So, so it's always that situation where, um, when you have sometimes when you're too close to something, you become hypercritical of it, right? So you're a lawyer and you watch, you have a very difficult time watching legal drama on TV, right? Because you're going, that would never happen, right? So doctors, the same thing, teachers. But in reading the book, for somebody who's been around it as, as closely as I have, the book has great authenticity. Um, and and the book is it's so on point. It's really, really on point to both the training, um, the emotional experience, um, the, the tournament experience. You know, over the years, people have sort of modified, even uh, talking to Philip and Simon Ree, right? So they did best of the best, but they made certain changes to it because the world wasn't as familiar with Olympic Taekwondo and and they refer to it as karate and and they made some changes in the way that they did it for for cinematic effect but that's not really true in your book how much of that book is from your um your life and having walked that path and how much of it is from you know just being around it and sort of uh melting it all together into sort of a historical fiction kind of a thing um so in terms of personal experience I think less so so, okay. uh, I mean, most of it's made up and fictional, um, but in terms of it being authentic and, um, and things that I have seen or um, have heard um, in the martial arts world, um, I didn't really target an audience. I wrote it basically for myself. I wrote it, you know, during the pandemic when I was just stuck in my apartment. Um, so it wasn't, I, and I don't really care if it's widely disseminated or widely understood by anybody who is not. So I already told people it's a very technical book. I made all my friends buy it, but then I gave them a caveat 
Like you have to be a Taekwondo nerd to really enjoy it. Cause uh, I, I didn't, I, you, but, know. But, uh, you know what? Um, I do agree. I think that that does hyper elevate your appreciation of it, but, but there's a very key um, emotional and relationship aspects of the book. The book is very heartfelt. Um, and I think that people that are in a world of sports or in a world of, relationships can can really relate to a lot of things right because we're dealing with grandmasters and people may not fully understand the the nature of our hierarchy right and the nature of our culture in the sense that um they may they may maybe be off put even to some degree by the nature of a grandmaster to um a, their master even if that's their son or, or their students and we understand that better but there still is very human relationships in the book which um i think that anyone could can really relate to if they if they were to pick that up i really felt that it was um which is a, sort of another one of my questions is that you're legally trained right so um you obviously have high intellect um you've been around but the level of writing is different, right? Uh, legal writing is, is different. I know people write briefs, they're, they're supposed to move, but it's more technical writing. The book is written in a very fluid way. It has a, it has a great story. It has a great feel. There's um, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, you're on the edge of your seat to some degree as it relates to the, the sports aspects of it. Tell me a little bit about that. Is that something that's natural? Is that something you've worked on? Is that something that um, you, you, you train separately for? Where does that come from? Um, no, it's my first time writing a novel. Really? And, uh, so what I would do is I would go for really long bike rides uh, in Brooklyn, which is where I live, like on empty streets. And like I'd ride my bike for two hours and sort of imagine the next scene or the next chapter. And then I would just imagine it all in my head, go back, write it down. I, I've actually never taken a creative writing class or even, you know, I, I think all lawyers want to write a novel, but we just talk. It's like hot air. Um, but I've never actually trained or even imagined I would complete a novel. That, that's interesting. It, I, I will tell you that that is um, not evident. It's really not evident. And, and I'm, okay. you know, I, I, I read a lot of stuff. And, you know, martial arts um, books come in a number of varieties, right? Your, your book is the outlier, right? Because martial arts books come in biography or autobiography, usually, right? Uh, the story of or they come in a training book, right? The technique book of this is the Pumse book, or this is a book about weight training, or they come in a philosophy book, right? So they'll come in, uh, you know, uh, be like water. Or, um, they'll come in, in the writings of Bruce Lee. Um, for there to be a book that integrates Taekwondo so heavily into a fictionalized story that's based in fact is, it's really unusual. I can't really think of too many other books that are even of a similar um, genre that, that that I can think of. Oh, um, I've always thought of Taekwondo um, as a very personal thing. Like as a teacher, I think the most important part of my teaching is not actually teaching them how to kick and punch. I feel like they can get that from a lot of teachers, but it's that I show that I care for them as a person and I care for their, you know, well-being for their development. Um, I always try to ask personal questions of my kids, like how it is, uh, how they're doing at school, you know, if they're having problems. Um, it's, you can, I, I feel like you can't teach without having a personal relationship. I feel like you can otherwise learn everything on YouTube or, you know, through a series of, or you can go to any dojang if you're athletic and learn. But I feel like in order to really get the essence of Taekwondo or any martial art, you have to have that relationship with the teacher. Um, and some of the best teachers I've known um, are, you know, elementary school teachers or like piano teachers. Um, 
and I've gotten a lot of advice from them throughout the years. One of my best, I, I think, pieces of advice that I received from a kindergarten teacher is she told me she spent every September of every year not teaching anything to her kids, but she needs to know all her kids. And then she tries to get them to like her, which I'm, it blows my mind. I'm like, why do they need to like you? They just need to learn right. ABC, right? But she's like, it's so important. Once they like you, once you have that connection, then you can teach them anything. I, I do and agree. Forever, you know? But like without that relationship, like the teaching student thing is just a transaction. So it might just be my approach to teaching. Um, I try to like all my students, you know, although it's hard to like everybody who comes in through the door. Sure. Because you don't no, have that's a true. Process. That's true but of anything in life. Find something. You're right. Or else you're, you can't be, you can't give them enough, you know? Um, so at, at the end of the day, I feel like every teaching relationship should be uh, caring and, and thoughtful on a very individual basis. Um, otherwise, they can just watch a video of somebody who's better at Taekwondo than me um, and learn that way. Well, that, that, that's, that's, that's a very interesting approach. Do you think that that approach is one that, is that an approach that you're modeling from your experience? Now, you talked about people outside of the martial arts, like piano teacher, music teacher. Is that uh, mirror your experience or is it the opposite of your experience in Taekwondo as trained in, in terms of your training experience? No, I mean, I, I'm like one of those martial arts geeks. I've wanted to do this like since I was six. Okay. So I've had an idealized version of what I think martial arts instruction should be, like who I think the perfect teacher should be, like since I was like very little, you know, I've, I've watched all the movies, I've read all the books. And like, I have this idealized version of what this should be. And if I didn't have to do this for money, I would scale it down even more. You know, I'd have a dojang that I would only let in people, you know, who really need Taekwondo. Like I would do it a whole different way. I, I think the commercial, ver like commercialized aspect of it really distorts what true martial arts should be like. And, and it's, you know, not good or bad. It's just the way it is. It has to be this way. It's a reality. It's a, it's, it's a reality. It's a rea but, um, but because I've been, you know, I'm 46. I've thought about this for 40 years. Um, there's a way that I would like to do it, that I can't do it. But if I ever retire and could do it that way, I would. And I think that's more reflected in my book. Um, because that's what I think about. That's what keeps me okay with the commercial aspect. Like I still have this kernel of idealism of how martial arts should be. Um, and I think it should be an intimate relationship between teacher and student. You are passing on a piece of you to, you know, hopefully somebody who's receptive to what you have to say. And it's not just kicking and punching. It's like a part of your personality is a part of like, you know, teaching them about other things that are more important than Taekwondo, like kindness, like compassion. You can teach all of that through Taekwondo. You can teach your whole being through Taekwondo, um, which is what I would like to do, which is, I, I guess that's what maybe came through the book. Because it certainly, it certainly did. And it's, 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 it's great. And I, and I agree with you. And, you know, um, in terms of education and knowledge, we all, we're always learning, but like for me to be in one place with one group for this, as long as I have, that only can happen as a result of the fact that it's more than just right, right? because it's not yes. even about about what we can learn but it's about my my ability right at a certain point my ability right. to learn about kicking and punching um 
yeah, obviously is going to diminish, right? So, so, so what do I get out of it, right? So I'm, but I'm here and that relationship changes now in terms of giving back. Do you, in terms of how you run your classes, because, you know, I've seen obviously the change, but one of the things about us as martial artists and martial arts instructors is that there's still um, a significant amount of discipline, right? There's still a significant amount of regimen in terms of how uh, we run the classes. For me, probably the hardest personal balance as an instructor for me was to try to find that balance because I, I was always so um, strict, right? So I, but, but didn't want to be in a situation where you're so authoritative um, that you're not able to have that personal relationship, right? Because I agree with you, the personal relationship is what brings it to the next level. But in terms of how you run your classes, are they still run in a very um, traditional um, way and, and, and in, in terms of hierarchy and in terms of uh, the discipline and the bowing and the, and the respect and that type of stuff? So some people from the outside, so some ITF people think that I'm quite lax okay. um, because there's less, less yes ma'aming, yes sirring, but I feel like in fact, I'm actually more strict. I'm much more strict with the bowing. I'm much more strict with um, bullying. Um, I'm, so I feel like very, very traditional hierarchical Taekwondo can lend itself to bullying. So I'm much more strict in keeping everybody in line in terms of being a good person. And with kids and adults, so I do have my idealized version of what martial arts should be like. And there should not be talking in class. There should not be like 5,000 water breaks. Right, so, right, right. But I try to do it in a funny way so they don't feel oppressed. Um, with the kids, like I just, I charge them for things. I charge them for, for water. So yes. In this day and age, apparently we have to give water breaks, but like I can charge you 50 push-ups of water just to prove to me that you're thirsty. If you're really thirsty, then you can do your 50 push-ups. I love water. it. I love right? it. So things, things like that. So like people are like, oh, you're soft because, oh my God, water breaks. Like why, why are there water breaks? Um, it, so there is still bowing on and off the mat. Um, less yes sirring, yes mamming. Um, just uh, that's a personal thing um, because my philosophy with that is I feel like I can tell if you respect me or not. Sure. But if you say yes, ma'am, and roll your eyes, it does nothing for me. And that's right? true. That's absolutely true. That's form over right. substance. Absolutely. Sure. Right. So sure. I rather correct you in a way that you can learn how to bow with sincerity instead of just yes, ma'aming me to death, you know? That, so. That's that's great. No, I, I I love it. So tell me in terms of your um in terms of your your personal history, are you I mean, now you're, you're, you're teaching exclusively. Are you, um, has your history been to, um, in the sparring and competition uh, circuit or was that just an, an offshoot or um, forms competitor or were you somebody who was, you know, I was somebody who never really, even though I'm refereeing now, I never was really a competitive. I never really got involved in, in competition. I went to a school where we had the Olympic coach where people were being trained for Olympic competition, but it was just never my thing. My thing was to, to, to develop myself certain with certain things inside the dojo. what was your, your path that, that sort of led you into the, this, where you are now? Right. Well, so I wanted to compete when I was, so I came, I came to martial arts and Taekwondo too late. So I did Shotokan in college. And then in law school, I found ITF, but then through, JH Kim school, WTF Taekwondo, because they're other competition team. Right. So um, so by the time I started competing, I was already behind the eight ball. But like in my early 20s, I 
entered as many tournaments as I could. Um, and my instructors allowed me to enter as a black belt just because, you know, I was young, reckless, fast, you know, sure. and they're like, all right, you know, do, do whatever. So, I mean, they were nice about it. And I got my butt kicked by all these teenagers who were aspiring to, you know, the national team. Um, but I kept at it through. So I graduated law school and I came to New York City and joined a, another ITF school, which didn't have any WTF offshoot. Okay. So my only WTF exposure was from JHKM. So I trained myself. So I would take three hours out of the day. I'd run, I'd cut weight. And then I'd make my friends take me to, you know, be my coach at these WTF tournaments. Um, and my, my instructor in New York City was uh, Suk Jung Kim. So he knew about it. I don't think he liked it. Um, right. And I think the other students at the school didn't like it because I did put on a black belt to compete, even though, you know, Technically, I wasn't, although I got my black belt in Shotokan. It was like, sure. I was a mix and mash of everything. But I had my WTF dreams alive until, I mean, eventually being a lawyer and doing this like three hours every morning, like wore me down a little bit. Um, plus, I didn't win because I think I just started too late. Sure. Um, I won a few matches uh, at nationals as a red belt. Um, but That's impressive. Uh, but as a, but as a black belt, I got my butt kicked. So a lot of that, the double kick thing, the Charlie horses on the left, sure. it's just, you know what? If you don't do that double kick from the time you're six, it's just very hard to combat with ITF skills. You, we say straight techniques can beat round techniques, but not when those round techniques are so fast and they yes. come so often, you know? There's sure. only so much you can do, like, in the line of fire. So eventually I just, like, lost so many times and, like, just got banged up but like at that age you get banged up and you're fine i mean i showed up to work with a black eye so i got a black eye at nationals <laughs> um, i i lost and the semifinals at nationals negative one to zero because she got a penalty for punching me in the face oh wow right but i couldn't stop bleeding oh wow that's so you get that's, a one minute like medical timeout right i couldn't sure. stop bleeding so i was still bleeding all over myself and they disqualified me but i didn't have a coach i was my own coach my sister right. was in the stands. So like, like to I tried to, to right. go by myself, but like, you know. That's impressive I, though. That's, that, that's impressive. So how is it now with the students that you teach? Are they on a, um, are there, is the nature of what you're teaching? Does it have a competitive um, path? Do you got, does your school participate? No, Obviously now the world is different, but are you competing in tournaments or is it, is it very much related to, uh, is it sort of closed in terms of uh, what occurs? Um, no. So one of the things I really dislike about the Taekwondo world. So I also play judo. The judo world is wide open. Anybody can walk into a judo dojo, put on a gi and play everybody right. in the, on the mat. I feel like Taekwondo should be the same way. Like, it should be open. Afraid, like the instructor should be able to keep everybody safe. Yeah. I don't allow a jerk onto the mat, but like anybody can join my class. And, and so I have, so my students feel that way, think that way. Um, unfortunately they're also like, uh, the adult students are older, so they want to compete. So I take them to some tournaments, but I have to really like, you have, we have to really strategize because right. they're just not good enough, fast enough, you know, to, to get there. So it's, we a have different, to it's a different game. I mean, the, the, the Olympic 
style game is it's a game right so it doesn't make you a better or worse martial artist to not be able to compete in that game you have to train for that and you have to understand what is required to be able to to score the points and it's not necessarily what everybody you know if your your training is not it's, it's not necessarily a reflection of your not being a good black belt or whatever the case is if you're not you just have to, to understand like anything else you have to understand the timing of the game and and the rules of the game right so i have i have quite a few adults who do want to who do want to compete but um for the older by older i mean like in their 20s and early 30s females there's just nobody in their divisions sure you go to these tournaments and there are no black belt women um, and then for the guys, I take them to tournaments, but like, I make sure they're in that like 35, 32 and above the, the what is it, the veterans the, or the ultra, the, the, the ultra. So you have the, the non uh, <laughs> light, light, light head contact kicking and things of that nature. Right. That's right, right. So, yeah. It's just, it'd be cool to have somebody who is young and talented and wanted to dedicate the time. I've tried competition teams with, uh, with younger kids. Um, and that worked for about a year or two. It's a lot of work for like just a handful of people. Um, it's harder in Manhattan. I don't sure. attract kids who want to mix it up. You know, I attract kids who want to do it once a week and get their black belt. That's interesting. I'm in Midtown Manhattan. Yeah, no, I, but I think that's true. I think that there's a lot of geographic differences to you know where you are. Like I'll go to travel to upstate New York, and you know you have some of these places where real estate is doesn't you know it, it it doesn't cost what it costs in manhattan and you'll see a dojang where it's ten thousand square feet and you know and and you're like you know that's a that's a luxury that most of us in more urban settings don't have and the the, the demographic is a little bit different and the competition is different right you're you're in manhattan you probably have a lot of different martial arts that people can choose from you might be in an area in certain parts of the country where you know the dojang is the only form of martial arts you know that that people are, right. are so and the other strange thing is that i have a lot of parents who don't like head contact oh okay interesting that's right. interesting so like no um, and, that's, I, and that is part of the quote-unquote business aspects of it in the sense that right. you're dealing with trying to, to deal with that it's also part of the change again from from dealing with children right because when you're dealing with adults and things then the program is the program and if they like it great if they don't like it that's fine. But if you're trying to tell it to kids, then there's always the aspect of the fact that the parents have a, have an understanding of it and, 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 and a say. And so I understand that completely. So, but, but I also feel like it's impossible to, you know, cultivate a great competitor unless you have them like at seven or eight and then you build them up. But like at seven or eight, if you're not allowing any head contact, then they're never going to get there. You know? No, that's true. That's what you say is absolutely true because you know that the competition is is has has them being farm raised from seven and eight head contact doing drills doing you know really really hyper intensive skill set so so you're right they're at a, at a significant disadvantage as it relates to the competitive the competitive aspects of it so 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 what is your situation in terms of um you know again I, i'm pretty pretty familiar with new york city i know that the demographic has changed in terms of um your uh from the standpoint of your classes, I know they're probably now smaller, more spread out because of the things you're talking about, but are you able to get back to doing the things that you basically were doing before or are the, the protocols and the, um, you know, the, the, the various procedures and things limiting what you're able to do at this point? Um, so we're, we're sparring again with the people who want to. It's, it's optional. So it's always been optional. 
Yeah, because I do have a crowd who just wants to work out. Sure, um, um, but so the strange thing is I'm not requiring uniforms because we have a whole waiting area that I'm not opening up just because it just people are going to eat inside and just hang out sure. in 600 square feet of space, you know, which sure. is not good. No, I understand um, completely. So the classes are a little weird. People are, a lot of people are in t-shirts and shorts, um, but the training is back to the same. Oh, that's good. Right. I do try to split it out. So I do have a luxury of a little bit more space than most um, dojangs. So, but still, I mean, it's nothing compared to the suburbs, but we are able to split people up a little bit. Um, and I offer more adult classes than before in order to, you know, not have, I used to have 20 people in a class in an 1800 square foot space, sure. 20, 25 people. Now I try to limit that to 12, 12 to 15. Um, and even that makes people nervous. We're still masked up indoors, okay. but I just tell them, Hey, you guys are in outstanding shape. <laughs> like, no, that's great. It's important. And, right? and that's one of the things that we, that we've seen is absolutely important. And, 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 right. and here, you know, again, it's been tough. It was a transition, you know, starting out, we came back after all the time of being away and then having the kids in like, uh, you know, six foot apart little boxes where they, we didn't do any type of contact drills. Everybody was, uh, you know, masked up and it was you know still trying to offer something offer the physical fitness right. offer the the mental uh stress release but not be able to and slowly we've migrated you know much much closer to, to normal i mean I'm, i don't know what normal is anymore but you know we're much right. closer you know we have right. the, the tournament coming up and there's tons of protocols and covid protocols you know i think that the, the facility we're doing it in is um, you have to be fully vaccinated if you're over 13. Otherwise, you can't be in the facility, which is not our rule. It's the facility rule um, for the other kids that have to be tested. So it's tough. It's it's tough. But, we're you know, we're, we're doing what we can, which is all you can do. You right. can't. Right. You can't right. change your circumstances. You got to adapt to it. So and that's part exactly. of the training. That's part of the Taekwondo lesson. So exactly. Um, the one good thing is that we have a Saturday. I'm keeping all my Saturday classes outdoors. Oh, that's and great. It's great. It's like I have a 10,000 square foot dojang because that, that's great. the field is huge and we're the only ones there. That's wonderful. That's, that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. and, and, and hopefully you'll be able to do that at least for the next 60 days or so without any kind of oh, real no. weather. Well, no, no. We did it through rain, through snow. Oh, that's great. Through, yeah. So no, outdoor training is wonderful. I love it. I, I love it. I had no idea how great it could be. Right. That's, that's great. That's right. That's wonderful. So what about a book? Is it, Are there future books? Uh, are there books percolating around in your in your head or um, not at this point or, or, or yeah, i'm actually thinking about the next version the next for uh, the so she she makes it to tokyo 2020 oh that's um, great so, yeah i i mean I, I, I would like to continue the story through and i have it, like it's it happens while i ride my bike so i i live 10 miles away from my dojang now so 10 oh, miles here 10 miles in that's two hours that's, and that's I, all I I'm not. I'm not surprised when I listen to a lot of famous uh, songwriters. It's very meditative. Uh, many of them say that um, their songs come to them while they're while they're driving. Willie Nelson wrote like you know numbers of his songs getting on the highway with his truck and I guess and, you can and, tell. And drive. So yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's very meditative. So you, you if, if the is, bike yeah. if the if the bike works. Now, what is your? I know that you said you wrote it for yourself, which is probably cathartic, um, and your concerns are not whether or not it sells or doesn't sell, but I'm sure you've gotten feedback. Um, and I'm sure the feedback based on what I've read has all been good, which doesn't shock me at all. 
is that uh, got to be gratifying, right? Regardless of, of of the reason for doing it, but to be able to 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 hear people are connecting with it has got to be a gratifying um, thing. I would think it, it is actually really cool. It was it was frightening putting it out. So um, I I I was my sister forced me to put it out. It had been done six months before that, and I oh, hadn't wow. touched it because I didn't plan on. I was busy with the with dojang and everything, and then. Um, and then my sister pushed me. She was like, get it done, you know, put it out. It's not that hard on Amazon. It's actually pretty easy. And, and the strange thing is that now I, I feel um, hesitant about writing again because there was positive feedback for the first one. I'm like, what if everybody hates the second one? <laughs> you know you what? Know? <laughs> I think you have to go into it with the same mentality, which is that you write it for yourself. You write it without those thoughts and, and it'll be what it is. And, and, and it really is, like I said, it, it, it's, you know, I guess hearing you say that doesn't surprise me about the process because it is a very personal, it's, it, it's extremely personal book. Um, and it doesn't, I mean, if I was going to write a commercial book, I certainly wouldn't write a, you know, fictionalized sports sort of semi-biographical Taekwondo um, story. It, you know, if, if, if I was looking to, to, you know, to write something that I thought would have broad, broad-based appeal. So certainly it, it makes sense that it's, it was very personal to you. Right. Right. Um, you're right. Maybe that'll get me writing again, but it's uh it's, it was frightening putting it out there. I'm just like, what if zero people agree with me and like zero people understand where I'm coming from. And like, I lose students because they th- now think I'm an idiot or, you know, I lose parents because they're like, what are you teaching my child? Well, yeah. I, I mean, certainly as somebody who's read it and I am uh, critical, uh, you know, I tell you that first of all, you know, it, it really is a great, it's a great book. It's a great read. So I would recommend it to anyone who likes to read because it's a great read. Anyone who likes sports books or, you know, but it's, it's a book with a great message from the standpoint of martial artists, which, you know, we're going to go out to our community, which is a worldwide community of martial arts practitioners, which is largely WT Cookie One based, but but we cross over. We you know we speak to people from from all sorts of uh, uh, martial arts and all sorts of Taekwondo and and karate and and uh, mixed martial arts. Even um, it's a great book. I, I I really do recommend it highly. I really enjoyed it. I really couldn't put it put it down. Um, and I would look forward to it to any kind of a kind of a sequel. And like I said, it's a unique. I think people in our in what we do crave. Um, they crave, you know, we've seen that when you, you watch martial arts movies, right? So, so many of them have, but, but our sort of area of the world is sort of not heavily. So you look at a movie like best of the best again, it's, it's so beloved by the Taekwondo community because it's, it's, it is, again, I use the term outlier there, you know, there aren't that many movies that, that, that are, that are like that. And, and that movie was again, a work of passion from Philip Ree, right? He wrote it. He wanted to write a positive martial arts movie that wasn't simply based upon, um, you know, it being, uh, you know, two, two, two warring factions or two warring dojangs. And he wanted to have it, you know, be something positive, a positive message. And it, it really resonated with people. I think your book resonates. I, um, I was excited to speak to you. Um, um, it's val- so speaking to you is very affirming and validating to the person that speaking to you. I'm not sh- shocked that you're the person who wrote the book that I read. If that makes okay. if, if, if that makes sense, because it, it's 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 well written, um, it's thoughtful, and it really is. It it's got a lot of head and it's got a lot of heart, and and that really was very meaningful to me. And as loving this this martial art as much as I do, I I you know 
I'm, I'm more of a martial artist than a, an athlete. Um, you know, things I, you know, I'm very protective of the, of, of the art and I'm very uh, passionate about people who share the, the, the passion that I have for it. So, so I feel like you gave me a gift. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And then, and then everybody has, who has come out of the woodwork, who has sort of affirmed it and said, Oh, you know what? I, I feel the same way. Or like, that's why I practice Taekwondo or the martial arts kind of like reinforces my decision to keep on doing this despite like all the craziness around us uh, it makes you know having a dojang and teaching so worthwhile that's wonderful and i really think in the time that we that we live in and the difficult times and how crazy things are um that that you know um key good role models in the martial arts is what the world needs right now i think it's more important than ever it's more important for our children it's more important for our society so i applaud you i'm, I'm so glad that you're still doing there was an article in american banker this week about the number of school, uh, martial arts schools across the country that closed during covid which is a huge number and that's a bad thing martial arts practice in our country is a good thing it's it's good for making all of us all of us better regardless of what the martial you know if it's a traditional martial art if it's teaching the right, right. values um, to me, I support it. I, I applaud it. And I think it makes us a better society. I really believe that. I believe it's improved my life. It's improved the life of my children and, and anybody I know who's been involved, even for a short time, their life is better. Right. I absolutely agree. So, I always, I always feel like, you know, when a student comes here, it should be like the best hour of their day, especially, with great. The, you know, and I'm, and I'm sure that, and I'm sure that it is. And that, and, and that's great. And I so. can tell from your from your essence so, yeah, I want to thank you for talking to me what because for me for, for me it's an independent and 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 I want people to probably um maybe not as much as you but for my own selfish reasons I want people to read your book because I love it I love to share books I love to share books about the art so and I think that your book is meaningful and I think people will get something out of it so um it's really an honor to speak to you and um I hope to I'm glad that you have an open policy um, I drive around with my uh, my my uh, my doba in, in the in the car and my black belt. So I would be happy to, and honored to uh, to share the space with you and 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 learn Absolutely. from you. You know, by any time, our schedules online just drop in, surprise me. Wonderful. I'm always here. That that's really wonderful. I, I I thank you so much. If there's anything that you ever need, and if you of course if you're ever out by our way. Uh, we welcome you. Our our door is also always on. We, we we there are so many nights that I uh, teach the adult and teen class, and we have visitors and guests that come in and and train with us. And and our students really welcome people that no one's ever. Everyone's always welcomed in. So okay, great. Thank you right, so much. I, I thank you. I'm going to stand up and bow. I'm, I'm okay. I I'm, I'm in here. So thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Yang. I really appreciate it. And I'll get in touch with you as we go. So like I said, over the next couple of days, you have my email. Send me any information you want me to include. And then okay. um, I'll let you know as we get closer. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.